Join us now for Health for Life, brought to you by Hamilton Healthcare System. Today, we're talking with Dr. Daniel Marcatus of Hamilton Physician Group in Dalton. Thank you for joining us, Dr. Marcatus. Thank you for having me. Dr. Marcatus is a board-certified gastroenterologist at Hamilton Physician Group, located at 302 Point North Place, behind the Social Security Administration Building off of Chattanooga Avenue in Dalton, Georgia. He, Dr. Albert, Dr. LaFontaine, and Dr. Aswath specialize in digestive issues that affect the esophagus, stomach, intestine, liver, gallbladder, pancreas, and colon. Isn't that right, Dr. Marcatus? That's right. How long have you been with Hamilton? A little over 19 years. Really? Over 19 years? How about, Does it seem like it's been that long? No. <laughs> wow. Well, now, what do you like to do in your spare time? Um, spend time with family, the grandchildren, uh, boating, hiking, biking, uh, more recently doing more home projects and playing more Sudoku. Is that right? That's great. You do a lot of boating? Uh, not much lately. I've had some uh, boat troubles. So. Oh, no. Uh, you know, if you got a boat, you got boat troubles, that's for sure. <laughs> Why did you choose to become a doctor? Well, I came from a family that was involved in the medical field. My father and uncle were doctors. My mother and aunt were nurses. A cousin was a nurse. One was a pharmacist. And I got to work in hospitals um, as a teenager and a young adult. And just, just, just happened. Fell in love with it. Uh, yeah. that's, that's wonderful. I'm glad to hear that. What is your favorite part of your job? I think mainly teaching uh, patients about developing healthy habits, um, especially being able to prevent colon cancer by removing polyps during the colonoscopy procedures. We have uh, four physicians and three nurse practitioners. Uh, one of the nurse practitioners, Paige House, mainly works at the hospital. Kelly Noble and Lindsay Kidd are both uh, nurse practitioners at the office. Uh, we offer a wide range of gastroenterologic or GI care. I heard that Hamilton Medical Center has a new endoscopy center. Can you tell us all about it? Yes, that's right. Uh, Hamilton Medical Center opened the new Bandy Endoscopy Center about a year ago. It's a state-of-the-art center. It's connected with the hospital, but fortunately has its own entrance, its own convenient parking at the corner of Memorial and Broderick Drives. Uh, with the opening of the new center, we doubled the number of procedure rooms from four up to eight and added 16 private patient rooms. That's nice. We perform both gastrointestinal endoscopy as well as bronchoscopy procedures in the center. You know, Hamilton provides minimally invasive procedures to diagnose and treat a variety of digestive disorders such as chronic heartburn or GERD, also known as acid reflux, swallowing difficulty, Barrett's esophagus, bile duct stones, uh, ulcers, among other things. Wow, that's a lot. Can you tell us about some of the procedures? Of course. Um, a bronchoscopy is a test that the pulmonary physicians use to view the airways to help them diagnose and treat pulmonary and other lung diseases. Uh, there's a subtype of procedure they do called an endobronchial ultrasound, which is an advanced technique utilizing ultrasound so they can visualize the airway wall as well as areas outside the airway and allow them to obtain tissue diagnosis. Um, an EGD or upper endoscopy allows us to look inside the esophagus, stomach, and the first part of the small intestine. A colonoscopy is a procedure that allows us to look inside the large intestine for inflamed tissue, abnormal growths, ulcers, and other conditions. Uh, we also perform another procedure called ERCP that allows us to look into the bile duct and remove stones or place stents uh, if needed. Um, you know, I spend a lot of time talking with patients about colonoscopies, and that's something we wanted to concentrate on uh, for the first part of this segment about the importance of 
colon screening and colonoscopy procedures since uh, colorectal cancer is very common and is actually the second leading cause of cancer-related deaths in the U.S. Uh, colorectal cancer usually starts uh, from polyps or other small precancerous growths in the rectum or the colon that may take several years to turn into cancer. Uh, the problem is these don't cause many symptoms, and that's why screening is such an important uh, process. You know, through a colonoscopy, we can see these growths and remove them before they have a chance to get larger or turn cancerous. When should someone have their first colonoscopy? Uh, most people should schedule their first colonoscopy around age 50 and usually repeat it every 10 years. However, some people are at higher risk if they have a family history or other risk factors, and they may benefit from starting uh, earlier than age 50. That's why we think it's uh, very important that you know folks check with their primary care provider about that advice, or if uh, they don't have one, they're, you know, we're happy to see them and, and give them the uh, advice. I understand, yeah. So if they don't have a primary care physician, they can still visit, and, exactly. uh, and you guys can take care of them. Uh, what is the risk factors for colon cancer? Well, there's a number of risk factors, uh, including smoking, a history of inflammatory bowel disease such as ulcerative colitis or Crohn's disease, a family history of colon cancer, a personal history of colon polyps or colon cancer, uh, certain genetic uh, syndromes such as Lynch syndrome or familial polyposis that uh, greatly increase their risk of colon cancer. Uh, also, diabetes is another uh, uh, risk factor they've found out about recently. Uh, obesity is another. Thank you very much. We're going to take a quick break, and we will be right back. Caring like a family, fighting like an army. Hamilton Healthcare System is here for you. Armed with a love for our community, advanced care, and personalized service, our commitment to serve with compassion stands strong in this season of uncertainty. You are the heart of all we do. Visit us at HamiltonHealth.com for timely health information and updates. And we're back. We're talking with Dr. Marcatus. Yes. Um, I can give your listeners a quick colorectal cancer risk assessment if you'd like. We can do that now? Sure. Okay. I'm ready. All right. Answer these nine questions and keep track of how many times you say yes. Okay. Do you have a parent, brother, sister, or child who has had colorectal cancer diagnosis? Having a family history can increase your risk by two to six-fold. Uh, especially if a family member developed cancer at a young age or if two or more of your relatives have had the disease at any age. Uh, the second question, have you yourself had colorectal cancer? If well, I have not. Well, if, if someone's had it before, that increases their risk of a second cancer, even if the first cancer was completely removed. Oh, is that right? I didn't know mm -hmm. that. So even if you had the cancer removed, you're still at risk for another time. Right, usually developing in a different area of the colon. Okay. Um, next, have you yourself had colorectal polyps, especially adenomatous or ones called sessile serrated? Uh, next, are you older than age 50? About 90% of people diagnosed with colon cancer are over age 50, but we're noticing a concerning trend of colon cancer occurring in younger people as mm. well. Okay. Uh, next, do you uh, have a history of inflammatory bowel disease, like ulcerative colitis or Crohn's disease, which can, again, raise the risk due to chronic inflammation? Wow. Uh, another thing to ask, do you eat a lot of red or processed meats, especially char-grilled uh, meats? Uh, now, why do you think char-grilled meats would have anything to do with that? 
it, it must uh, do something with the the fat within the meat, create more is uh, that free right? radicals, toxins. Wow. I never would have thought that. Uh, on the other hand, diets high in fruits and vegetables and fibers have been linked to a decreased risk of colon cancer. Okay. Another question, do you get uh, little or no physical activity? Uh, sedentary lifestyle has been associated with colon cancer, among other cancers. Uh, okay. To help prevent cancer, they recommend at least 150 minutes of moderate-intensity exercise throughout the week. 150 minutes? Okay. Uh, another question, are you overweight? That kind of is related to the, the prior uh, risk factor as well. Okay. And then do you smoke? You know, we know the risk of lung cancer, but smoking also increases the risk of uh, colorectal cancer. So each question that you answer yes uh, contributes to raise your uh, risk of colon cancer. But the good news is if you have several risk factors, we still have the benefits of screening on a regular basis, removing polyps, um, and this is actually helping decrease the uh, incidence of colon cancer in the last several years. Um, uh, when I started, you know, 19, 20 years ago, it, w it was uh, six percent of the population would be expected to have colon cancer within their lifetime, and more recently, it's down to about four percent. Good. So that's really a that is a, fantastic. A drop. That is great. What if someone is diagnosed with colon cancer? Is there any effective treatment? Yes, there are several ways of treating uh, colon cancer, including surgery, chemotherapy, and radiation therapy. Um, in fact, some um, very early cases of colon cancer may also be called a malignant polyp. That may be cured at the time of colonoscopy by removing the polyp. Other times, if it's too large to remove endoscopically, there's surgery options, uh, radiation, chemotherapy. Yeah, that's really good to hear. Uh, let's take a short break. When we get back, we're going to talk about how colon cancer is treated. If you're in need of medical care, don't delay. Your health won't wait. Hamilton Medical Center is ready to care for you. We are following CDC guidelines. Patients and guests are screened for COVID-19 symptoms. Those who are suspected to have the virus are treated in a separate area. Plus, Hamilton's high-powered UV light robots eliminate 99.9% .9 of bacteria and viruses on surfaces. Please do not delay medical care. Your health won't wait. As always, Hamilton is here for you. We've learned a lot about how important colonoscopies are and the risk factors associated with colon cancer. But how is colon cancer treated? Again, we mentioned surgery, chemotherapy, radiation therapy. Um, uh, surgery involves removing a section of the colon and usually reattaching it together and removing uh, where the tumor was. People that have rectal cancer often are treated with radiation therapy with or without chemotherapy prior to surgery, it seems to improve the outcomes and uh, reduce the size of the tumor and, right. and improve the surgical outcomes. Sometimes in more advanced cases, they use palliative radiation to uh, treat blockage or uh, bleeding or pain symptoms. And uh, of course, chemotherapy, uh, we have our new cancer center we're really excited about that we'll talk about more in a minute, but mm -hmm. uh, chemotherapy can help destroy the cancer cells it can be used before or after surgery based on um, different characteristics of the patient or the tumor. There's newer agents that are more directed towards the cancer receptor, so there's less toxicity. Um, the radiation therapy we mentioned already uses high-energy x-rays or, or other types of catheter-directed radiation to kill the cancer cells or areas that it may have spread to. 
and I think overall we're seeing you know improved outcomes compared to several years ago. So it's another thing we're really excited about. Sounds like there's a, a lot of different types of treatment for this cancer. Yes, if, if caught early, it can be uh, cured, and so that's that's another reason to stick to the screening recommendations and find out about your family history and um, how important the colonoscopy is. Exactly, very important. Yes. Okay, so we just went over how colon cancer can be prevented and treated. Tell me about People's Cancer Institute at Hamilton. It opened this year, and it really looks amazing. Oh, it really is. It's it's a beautiful building. I mean, it was. Uh, we've been excited about this the last few years. Uh, they had a really nice open house earlier this year in January. It's over sixty thousand square feet. It's, really, uh, they've closed off Memorial Drive there. There's a beautiful fountain there. You know, it's got Florida windows, uh, Florida ceiling windows, an open floor plan, covered drop-off locations. There's a, a bistro in in the lobby, a two-story parking garage, hospitality services, uh, common areas with a family uh, alcove, a quiet room, community resource centers. Wow. Um, you know, they're offering a lot of services. Uh, Say so that there's you know, there's nurse navigators, there's social workers. I think the patients. Um, feel more at ease they can get diagnosed and treated in the same location so it's much more convenient you know the in the cancer program there is ranked in the top top 10 percent in the nation for patient safety and accredited by the commission on cancer so uh, we've really been uh, fortunate to have such an amazing gift here in our hometown okay let's talk about COVID 19 for just a moment what would you say to someone who is putting off getting their colonoscopy because they're worried about the coronavirus. Well, I'd say that Hamilton Healthcare System has put measures in place to keep both staff and patients safe. Uh, when the patients arrive, they're greeted by a staff member who takes their temperature and screens them for COVID-19 symptoms. Uh, we are following all the CDC guidelines and have put many processes in place to help uh, keep patients safe, including having the separate entrance and parking area for the Bandy Endoscopy Center, a face mask for all patients, protective equipment for all team members, uh, social distancing guidelines, sanitizing stations throughout our facilities. Uh, for any of the uh, patients in the hospital with uh, COVID positive tests, they're kept in a, a separate uh, area with uh, negative pressure rooms. Uh, we have germ zapping uh, robots with the high-powered ultraviolet light uh, that kill 99.9% .9 of bacteria and viruses. Uh, we've also had staggered appointments to help keep the uh, number of people in each area uh, to uh, a low in the waiting rooms. Right. Regarding COVID-19, there's been recent reports through the National Cancer Institute uh, about uh, warnings that delaying uh, screening, diagnosis, and treatment is going to uh, cause worse outcomes in the future regarding cancer cases. Um, they've estimated there may be an additional 10,000 deaths in the U.S. over the next 10 years through a breast and colon cancer due to the pandemic from uh, delaying screenings and treatments. Oh, that's sad. People, instead of going, are afraid of COVID-19, so they're not going to be screened. Oh, that, exactly. uh, that's awful. And there's been some mis kind of misleading uh, data out there. The cancer rates has been, has been dropping up to 50% over the last few months. It doesn't mean the cancer's going away. It's just not getting diagnosed. Right. Because folks aren't going. Exactly. What about that? But, you know, the numerous experts have, have said that the risk of contracting COVID-19 is greatly reduced in a hospital or clinic that is following uh, these guidelines from the CDC like we're doing at Hamilton Medical Center. Uh, are you ready for a pop quiz for what we talked about earlier? Sure, I'm ready. 
Okay, it's a true and false test. Okay, true or false? You and our listeners can see how much you've learned. Okay, I'm ready. All right, the first question is true or false. Colorectal cancer is not a very common cancer. I know that is false. That's correct. In the U.S., colon cancer is the second leading cause of cancer-related deaths in men and women combined. Um, Okay, number two, true or false, uh, colorectal cancer often has no symptoms in its early stages. That's true. Correct. Uh, most people don't have any signs or symptoms of that, uh, of the colorectal cancer early on. But when they do occur, we look for things like change in bowel habits, uh, rectal bleeding, dark stools, abdominal pain, weakness, fatigue, weight loss. Uh, third question, true or false, eating foods high in fiber reduce the risk of colorectal cancer? That's true. Yes. Uh, Some studies have shown that eating the fiber-rich foods, such as fruits, vegetables, and whole grains, uh, reduces the risk for colorectal cancer. Um, Taking fiber as a supplement on its own doesn't seem to have the same effect, but it's usually something that it takes several years to see a a difference, but again, mostly through a healthy diet. Next question, true or false, you might increase your risk of colorectal cancer if you eat a lot of processed meat. Yes, that is true. All right. Yeah, diets such as uh, diets high in processed meats like hot dogs, ham, sausage can raise your risk. Again, we talked about other effects uh, or other risk factors such as smoking, drinking alcohol excessively, lack of exercise. Okay. All right. One more. I'm ready. True or false? Most people who get colorectal cancer have a family history of the disease. That is true. Oh no, you're on a roll. Oh, it's actually false. Oh, uh, have, you're right that having a family history greatly increases your risk, but the vast majority of cases are found in people without a family history. Uh, Age is one of the biggest risk factors, especially after age 50. Again, we talked about the increasing rates prior to 50, so it's important to to discuss with your doctors about your risk factors and your family history. Well, you know, four out of five is not bad. No, not at all. Okay, let's take a quick break. Caring like a family, fighting like an army. Hamilton Healthcare System is here for you. Armed with a love for our community, advanced care, and personalized service, our commitment to serve with compassion stands strong in this season of uncertainty. You are the heart of all we do. Visit us at HamiltonHealth.com for timely health information and updates. You mentioned that you treat heartburn. That is such a common ailment. What can be done about it other than taking over-the-counter medications? Well, you're right. That is a very common condition. Tens of millions of Americans have heartburn, which is a burning sensation in your chest or throat due to stomach acid backing up into the esophagus, which is the tube that connects the mouth and the stomach. There's a muscle or a little valve almost between the stomach and esophagus that usually prevents acid backup. But if the muscle is weak, acid can go the wrong way. Um, and, you know, heartburn's so common, but we shouldn't take it lightly. Uh, it could lead to esophageal cancer in some patients. But So it's serious. Yes, heartburn it is serious. serious. Okay. I mean, it can mimic a heart attack. It, it can cause other symptoms outside of the esophagus, uh, throat symptoms, um, lead to scarring, trouble scar- uh, swallowing, bleeding, ulceration, a condition called Barrett's esophagus we'll talk about in a little bit, but Uh, Many things can aggravate heartburn, Uh, usually fried spicy or fatty foods, carbonated drinks, chocolates, coffee, peppermint, uh, citrus, uh, being overweight, smoking or drinking alcohol, uh, lying down too quickly after a meal, 
wearing tight clothes, uh, certain medications such as blood pressure medicines may uh, weaken the muscle further and allow more uh, fluid to back up. Um, the primary treatment usually involves lifestyle changes and often medications, usually uh, strong acid suppressors called proton pump inhibitors such as Prilosec or Nexium. Also H2 blockers such as Pepsid uh, are commonly used as well. But um, heartburn that occurs very frequently may be a sign of GERD or gastroesophageal reflux disease. We talked about some of the other symptoms with uh, trouble swallowing, sore throats, coughing, hoarseness, bad breath. But over time, after repetitive months or years of irritation, some of the cells lining the esophagus uh, change to a different type of cell, uh, similar to ones that line the small intestine to help protect themselves, but it, it sets that person up for a risk of developing a cancer of the esophagus. Wow. Uh, that that condition is called Barrett's esophagus, which is another good reason to do the upper endoscopy if there's a family history or if someone's had a, a untreated or even treated heartburn for several years. Uh, the upper endoscopy can help diagnose Barrett's esophagus and allow us uh, treatments as well. Some of the symptoms if you do develop esophageal cancer include painful or difficulty swallowing, chest pain, weight loss, vomiting, uh, bleeding, or dark bowel movements, chronic cough, hoarseness. And these things come from heartburn. Exactly. My goodness, because, you know, uh, I remember my grandmother and my uh, my uncles and aunts, they seems like they always had a, a you know, roll of rollage with them all the time, and they complained of heartburn all the time. But... Uh, I just can't believe heartburn causes so many problems. It can, and it seems like it's uh, a growing problem. I think years back we saw more ulcer disease. Now we're seeing more reflux disease. Oh, yeah. Well, you hear a lot about that on uh, commercials, on radio and television. And one of the things that you said uh, does not help, and that's peppermint. Didn't you mention peppermint there a moment ago? I always right. thought that peppermint would make it would cool it, but I, I guess that's wrong. It does uh, act to relax some of the. The muscles. Now, we do use it for other conditions, sometimes gallbladder disease or uh -huh. uh, a thing called irritable bowel syndrome, right. kind of relaxes the intestine. The peppermint does. Right. Like those but little peppermints, you just hard peppermints? Okay. Yeah, usually it's the, yeah, the peppermint oil that has that effect. Got you. I don't care. Okay. Um, I'm not sure the peppermint flavor, if it's artificial, probably, it may probably not doesn't have, any, have no, that probably effect. Not, no. It just feels like it's cool. You know, it feels cool in your yeah. mouth. But besides the medication therapy, there's uh, surgery options. Uh, the general surgeons at Hamilton offer a, a range of procedures to correct uh, hiatal hernias that contribute to reflux. Uh, there's a, a magnetic uh, sphincter, basically called the Lynx procedure they're performing, uh, a thing called fundoplication that tightens the, the top of the stomach and esophagus junction. Um, but beyond that, you know, lifestyle changes are really the mainstay. Stopping smoking and alcohol, eating smaller meals, losing weight and avoiding tight clothes, um, wait three hours after eating before laying down, uh, raising the head of the bed several inches helps as well. So now we know the symptoms of heartburn, but what are the symptoms of Barrett's esophagus? Uh, Barrett's esophagus itself often doesn't cause additional symptoms beyond the reflux symptoms themselves. Difficulty swallowing uh, would be a concern, uh, weight loss. Does that weight loss go back to having problems swallowing? People don't eat as much? Yes, I think okay. it's tied in with that. Um, but then if, if it's turning into cancer and you're eating the same, that's, that's a another totally way different to lose thing, weight yes. too. Yeah. Uh, but about 10 to 15% of people who have acid reflux may develop Barrett's esophagus. It's usually a little more uh, common in men. Uh, obesity is related to it, especially abdominal fat. 
um, smoking as well, and some genetic factors too. So Barrett's esophagus is common? It's fairly common. There's at least 3 million heartburn sufferers with di- diagnosed with Barrett's esophagus, and they probably have at least a 3% risk of developing esophageal cancer, which doesn't sound like a large amount, but compared to the general population, it's greatly increased. How would you treat that? We have a, a treatment called the HALO system. It's radiofrequency ablation that can be delivered through a balloon or a catheter device. We have it available at Hamilton Medical Center. It's been widely studied. It sometimes takes a few sessions to eradicate the Barrett's. Sometimes can lead to scarring in the esophagus, which is usually treated you know, with dilation if somebody develops trouble swallowing after the therapy. It's really um, improved the outcomes uh, by removing the Barrett's, removing the cancer risk. We still have to monitor those folks every few years with endoscopy, but it's uh, satisfying to to eliminate that risk for the patients. I'm sure that it is. Uh, What if it goes untreated? What if you don't get treated for it and you have it? Um, Likely it'll continue to get worse. You may develop esophageal cancer, and then that could require surgery to correct uh, chemotherapy. Unfortunately, a lot of the patients with esophageal cancer, though, present with advanced disease and may not be uh, uh, curable. So it's very important that patients talk to their primary care providers about their heartburn. That's right. If you're in need of medical care, don't delay. Your health won't wait. Hamilton Medical Center is ready to care for you. We are following CDC guidelines. Patients and guests are screened for COVID-19 symptoms. Those who are suspected to have the virus are treated in a separate area. Plus, Hamilton's high-powered UV light robots eliminate 99.9% of bacteria and viruses on surfaces. Please do not delay medical care. Your health won't wait. As always, Hamilton is here for you. We're back, and you mentioned that you treat gallbladder disease. I know a lot of people have issues with their gallbladder. Tell us about what you can do to help those folks. Well, your gallbladder is a pear-shaped organ underneath the liver, which is designed to store bile, which is a fluid made by your liver to help digest fats. It stores the bile until you eat, and then it releases it through a tube called the bile duct into the small intestine. There's a, a risk of gallstones, which can occur when substances in the bile Uh, form stones or harden, it can temporarily block the outlet of the gallbladder or possibly enter the bile duct and cause a blockage there. Uh, Gallstones can be anywhere from sludge or a grain of sand to the size of a golf ball. People may have hundreds of little stones. Uh, Often they'll develop pain after meals, which can be fairly severe, known as biliary colic, and uh, be quite disabling. Now, do some people have these gallstones and they don't even know it? Correct, yes. Gallstones may be asymptomatic or not causing any symptoms. Uh, in those cases, they often don't need specific treatment. Right. But um, gallstones that are that get in the wrong place can cause other uh, conditions such as pancreatitis, um, cholangitis or an infection of the bile duct. Uh, lead to abscess, uh, rarely could lead to gallbladder cancer even. Goodness. Now, what is gallbladder pain like? Uh, it's usually a steady pain. It may radiate to the back or near the shoulder blades. usually lasts at least 15 minutes but can last several hours, may be associated with vomiting and nausea. Uh, there, it's usually a steady pain, which kind of goes against the colic uh, description of it. But um, 
again, they're often after heavy meals, but but sometimes can occur at nighttime and uh, wake people up from sleep. Sometimes they can lead to jaundice, even if a gallstone gets in the wrong uh, area, such as a bile duct. Right. Are some people more likely than others to develop issues with their gallbladder? Yes, there are several risk factors. Um, it's higher among patients who are female, especially if they've uh, had multiple pregnancies, uh, people that have lost weight quickly, uh, people older than age 60, uh, those that are overweight or obese, uh, those with diabetes, uh, those with a family history of gallstones, and also some on medications that lower cholesterol may increase the risk. Those are great answers to the question. Is there treatments available? Well, if again, we mentioned if somebody has gallstones without pain, they usually don't need treatment. Uh, some people that have had a few attacks of gallbladder pain may be able to avoid a treatment with a low-fat diet. Um, for the acute flares of gallbladder uh, pain, they often require hospitalization, pain medicine such as morphine. Um, usually the treatment is surgical, like we said. There's some other options uh, in people that aren't surgical candidates for certain reasons. They, there's lithotripsy options, um, gallbladder dissolution therapy with uh, bile salts or a medicine called ursodial that helps thin the bile. They tend to help short-term, but when the medicines stop, the gallstones tend to come back. But if someone's too frail for surgery, it's another option. Dr. Marcatus, thank you so much for being on Health for Life. And if you have further questions, you can make an appointment with Dr. Marcatus by calling 706-272-4127. That's 706-272-4127. You can also learn more about Hamilton Physician Group by visiting hamiltonhealth.com slash gastro. Thank you for listening to Health for Life, a presentation of Hamilton Healthcare System. 